this week. It's a foul-mouthed paranormal series from the former hosts of the audio drama production podcast. Lee's a former DJ and coke fiend with a get-rich-quick scheme. Doug's his old friend, musician whose claim to fame is having accidentally shat himself on television. It's gross. It's great. We're doing it. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Robert Cudmore and Matthew McLean are audio dramatists from Fife, a county near Edinburgh in Scotland. They recently handed the reins of their show, the Audio Drama Production Podcast, into the capable hosting hands of Fiona Thrale and Sarah Golding. But before that, the two of them put out 100 fabulous episodes, as well as numerous audio dramas, some of which you've heard here on RDR. This is their new series, a Scottish podcast, based on characters from one of their old sketches, Why Cat and Doug Don't Get Along. Doug, or Doogie, is a failed musician. Lee is a failed DJ. But Lee has an idea to get them back on track. A podcast. Everyone's making a fucking podcast these days. Oh, shit, did I mention this is going to be a very swearing-heavy episode? Scotland is a profoundly profane place. So, Lee and Dougie set out to make a paranormal podcast in the hopes that it'll make them rich, or at least make Lee rich. It hardly matters if it's real, does it, if the Americans go for it? What Robert and Matthew sent over are three episodes stitched together, as the characters Doug and Lee explore the Lovecraftian history of the island of St. Calic. Take a listen. It's the Terror Files, and we're recording this very special episode from the long-forgotten and long-abandoned Scottish island of St. Calic. As I've mentioned on the show before, this investigation all stemmed from an email sent in by listener Karen in Toronto. You see, Karen's great-grandmother, Jean, used to live on this very island before it was abandoned in 1922. And why was it abandoned? Well, officially, it was put down to the fact that it's pretty much inaccessible for six months of the year due to bad season weather. No supplies could get in, and nobody here could get out. But Jean kept a diary, and although Karen doesn't have it anymore, she said it pointed towards other reasons for the people of St. Calic fleeing to the mainland. Reasons that seem much more sinister. Between 1919 and 1922, when the last of the residents finally left, something used to happen here. Something chilling. According to Jean's diary, the night of July the 1st during these years was one of terror for the people of St. Calic. She never fully explained why. But today, on the 1st of July, the terror files will be spending the night on St. Calic, surrounded by nothing but freezing black ocean on all sides and well over 100 miles away from any form of civilization. Will the mysterious force that terrified the people here back in the 1920s still haunt the island? We'll be recording audio and video around the clock to find out. And that's what we're off to set up now. It's going to be a long night, and I must admit that I'm feeling a little apprehensive. I'm Lee Power. It's the Terrafiles. Bill just shot on the gear over there. You're fucking kidding. No. Why did you no say something? I was on a roll. It was a good take. I'll fucking take it to your face if the wee cunt shot on my bag. Relax, Dookie. Look at this place, eh? It's spectacular. It's pissing down, just like the rest of this shitehole of country. Let's get the tents up before we catch hypothermia. Aye, we will in a sec. 
But seeing as you've got the recorder out, I'd like to do another link. I just want to describe the island a bit whilst it's still light. It'll be light for hours yet. Probably doesn't get dark till about midnight. Well, that storm's making it pretty dark already, though. It's not going to get any lighter. Alright then. If this recorder gets fucked with the rain, though, you'll struggle to find a music shop out here. I'll be quick. They call me One Go Joe. Nobody calls you that, though, do they? Well, no. I thought not. Right, fire away. Okay, so I want to describe what we're seeing here way out on St. Calic to help paint a picture of this place in your mind. We're currently looking down onto the south side of the landscape. There's a bay area where the ruins of the island's only village lie. Presumably, the houses would have been built in this area because it offers the most shelter from those harsh northern winds. Behind us, the terrain rises steeply to a peak... It isn't quite what I'd describe as a mountain, but from up there you'll be able to see round the entire island. The northern coast is a dramatic shelf of very high cliffs, which look down onto powerful waves crashing against jagged rocks. A truly inhospitable place. St Calic, like most northern Scottish islands, doesn't have any trees on it. Even if there were any seeds flying around to germinate in the soil, lack of shelter from the prevailing wind would kill them in their infancy. With the sea on the horizon in every direction, we're so exposed out here. It's frightening to think what this place must be like in the depths of winter. And looking towards the western ridge, I can see what looks like another ruined building. That appears to be the only man-made structure on the island that wasn't built in the bay. So what's the story behind it? And does it have anything to do with the July 1st hysteria all those years ago? Let's take a wander over there and find out, shall we? Fuck it, that'll do. You're not going anywhere yet. You can get those tents up. Aye, you'll be helping me though, eh? No, me and Bill are away to get these cameras set up. Oh, come on. It'll take me ages to do all that myself. I'm a professional, Lee. You brought me here to do a job. Get Bob to help you. Where is that cunt, anyway? He was down near the boat last I saw. He'd opened a bottle of whiskey. Better watch your fingers if he's hammering the tent pegs in for you then. Dookie! We're away up that hill. I'll stick a camera up there, then I'll take a look at that ruin of yours. Come on, Bill, let's go. Fuck you. Well, you never know. Could get lonely out here later on. Here. Here. Uh, Bob? Aye? Any chance you could give me a wee hand with the tents up there? Too fucking windy for tents. Too windy? That's what I said. Oh. So, what are you proposing then? Checking into a hotel instead? No need to get cheeky. We'd be better off sleeping in the ruins. The ruins? There's no roofs on them. There'll be enough stuff lying around to make a wee shelter. I can't believe we're having this discussion. It's not that windy. Tents will be fine if we build them down here in the bay. That wind's picking up stronger all the time. Gonna be a stormy night. So you won't help me then? I'll help you. But your tent will end up in New York. Well, I've always wanted to go there. Alright, let's make a start then.
So, what's your opinion on this structure then, Bill? You reckon it was a house, do you? Looks about the same size as the ones in the bay. Why build it away out here, though? You think it belonged to an antisocial cunt? A plausible hypothesis. Christ, is this what my life's become? I mean, no offence like Bill. It's just that five years ago I didn't really imagine myself pottering about on a dead island talking to a dog. But, here we are, I suppose. I guess it could have panned out a bit better for you too, eh? Did your old owner die, or did they just give you up? You don't want to talk about it? That's okay. What's that you're digging at, anyway? Have you found something? Like, maybe the fact that I'm now living in an Enid Blyton novel? What is that? Fucking hell! Suppose we better go and tell Lee about this, eh? found a trap door. Bill found it. The wee cunt's got a good nose on him. Inside the building? Aye, maybe like a kind of cellar. Did you open it? No, I imagined you'd want to record all that. You're learning, Doogie. You're learning. Another thing too. I reckon the building was destroyed in a fire. A long time ago, like, but the bricks have all been sort of blackened by something. Interesting. Did you get up the peak of the hill too? Sure did. Couple of cameras set up, getting a view of the whole island. Uh, will they wee cameras be alright with the weather? They're, they're waterproof, eh? Aye, they things are practically indestructible. Unlike the recorder, that'll be fucked before the night's out. Well, I guess I'll come up and get a look at this trapdoor before the rain gets any worse. Did you get the tents up? Uh, well, not really. Not yet, anyway. How? Well, it wasn't easy in the wind. That cunt Bob went off in the huff. Why? We tried to build one right beside one of the houses, but we couldn't get half the pegs in. Too rocky. So he just fucked off? He's adamant that we should build a shelter instead. Cunt thinks he's bare grills. What's he doing now? Sitting down there smoking, reading a copy of Razzle. How the fuck did your man Bruce build such a criminal empire employing boys like Bob? Well, I don't suppose Bruce's line of work involves putting a lot of tents up. Fucking Christ. Some trip this is turning out to be. Keep your hair on. Look, we'll head up to that ruin, do a quick recording of me opening the trapdoor, and then get these tents thrown up. In an hour's time, we'll be blowing the froth off our first tin. Aye, right. In fact, go and fire the recorder back up a second. Now? Aye, just a quick link whilst I've got the inspiration. Okay. The lonely shell of a building on the western ridge of the island caught our attention as soon as we landed on its shores. I say we because the Terra Files is very much a team effort. And one new member of that team is Bill, a dog with a very keen sense of smell and an eye for noticing the details that his two-legged friends might miss. That's right, this furry little fellow is a retired police dog, who in his law enforcement career helped solve over 200 crimes throughout central Scotland. And it didn't take long for Bill to earn his keep on this particular investigation because he's uncovered a trapdoor in that mysterious old ruin. So what did we find down there? 
and will it hold any clues about what used to happen here every year on July 1st? But before we take a look in that trapdoor, let's take a minute to think about your back door. Because it's time to hear from our sponsors, Harrison's Hemorrhoid Ointment. You never cease to amaze me, Lee. Hey, they're paying good money. I mean Bill. A Polish dog. Well, it's better than saying your sister found him in a nursing home. Whatever helps you sell more pile cream, I suppose. Right, enough fannying about. Are we heading up to this fucking ruin? Aye. Let's do this. here in the North Atlantic, the lonely and abandoned island of St. Calic holds many secrets. And it seems like the Terrafiles has just uncovered one of its darkest. Because underneath the trapdoor of an old ruined building lies this long forgotten basement room. It looks a bit like some sort of office or study. It's a little damp and dusty, but almost perfectly preserved, in spite of the condition of the ruin above our heads. In front of me, there's a large wooden writing desk, and to my left, a bookcase filled with heavy-looking volumes and tomes. So who did this room belong to? And do any of these books hold a clue as to what happened on St. Calic all those years ago? It's time for our research and investigation team to get to work. Do you want to go and get Bob? What for? Look at all these books. We'll need all the help we can get to go through them. I'd be surprised if he could read. I'm happy to go, like, if you want to make a start here. Nah, it's fine. I'll go. Another thing. Do you reckon we're maybe as well sleeping down here? It's not the cleanest, but it's dry and sheltered. I suppose that's maybe not the worst idea, given our circumstances. Unless Bob's ended up getting the tent set out. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. I know. Right, I'll fire down and see him then. Bring the beer, eh? Aye, don't you worry. Where the fuck did yous go? We're up at that old ruin on the side of the hill. You find anything? Aye. There's a wee room underneath it. A kind of cellar. Oh, aye. We were thinking it might be better to kip there the night. It's not exactly the Hilton, but it puts a roof over our heads. Fair enough. Sounds fine to me. Think we'll manage to carry all the stuff up in one trip. We'll no need the tents, like. Aye. Should manage. Lee was hoping you'd be up for doing some reading, too. Reading? Aye, there's a few old books up there. I don't suppose there'll be a telly. At least there's something to do. Any giddings? Books? Aye. Don't know, Bob. No had a proper look yet. They're all big old looking things, though. Doubt they'll have that Fifty Shades of Grey, eh? Some shagging in that, I've heard. <laughs> no, it's unlikely. I hear it's a bit of a literary masterpiece, though. Ach, well. Maybe get someone with a bit of cowboy and Indian in it or that, eh? Eh... Aye, you never know. Right, let's get fucking shifted then. Aye, no too fast though. Hopefully Lee's found what he's looking for by the time we get back. So, I found this in the desk of the drawer. It's an old journal. Anything interesting in it? Very much so, actually. It belonged to the man who lived here. This ruin was his house. 
<laughs> I'd love it if the last entry was put free bentos pie in oven at gas mark 7. Just nip them down the shop for a pint of milk and a paper. Oh, they free bentos pies are fucking magic, eh? Steak and kidney. Steak and ale. Chicken curry. Come on, guys. Are we here to solve one of Scotland's biggest mysteries or discuss a 99 pence pie in a tin? They're fucking £1.20 at the shop down the road from me. Alright, fair enough. So who was this cunt then? His name was Perry Linden. He was actually from the south of England. Moved way out here in 1918. What for? I need to have a more thorough look through the thing, but it was shortly after the death of his daughter. Well, that doesn't exactly sound like something that would lead to the whole island being abandoned. Unless there's more to it? There is, yeah. I think he moved here to try and bring her back. Bring her back? You mean, like, back from the dead? Exactly. Anyone need another beer? I'll take one. Uh, in a minute. I'm just laying out this timeline. Then I want to record what we've got so far. Record? It's about half ten. You've had seven ten. That's nothing. You should have seen the nick of me on the radio when I was doing night shift. Aye, but you actually like doing this, do you know? This is a big reveal for your listeners. It's no live. You're as well recording in the morning, surely. Doogie, I fully appreciate your technical expertise, but you needn't concern yourself with the presentation side of things. Besides, the podcast needs to be raw, authentic and in the moment. It's all about capturing the magic. We want the listener to be walking with us, not tagging along behind us. Cunt talk some shite when he's had a drink, eh? This is just to start it. Away you go. I've had seven tins over the space of about four hours while I'm working. It's hardly George Best walking into the pub after his liver transplant, is it? Alright, I'm not arguing. I just know this is a big episode for you. They're all big episodes, Doogie. Well, if you're ready, let's get it fucking done. I'm ready. Alright, you sitting comfortably, Bob? Well, no really. This damp's playing fucking havoc with my piles. Your piles? Well, I've got just the product. Not now, Lee. Come on, game face on. Right, aye, okay. Good to go? As always. It's 10.32pm on the 1st of July, and I'm recording this from the cellar of a lonely ruin on the abandoned island of St Calic. Earlier today, when we discovered the trapdoor that led us down here, I speculated as to whether the dark secrets of St Calic might lie within. And now, having spent four long hours poring over the evidence that we discovered down here, I'm inclined to conclude that they do. But let's start at the beginning. The last owner of this house was a man called Perry Linden from Portsmouth. This very room was his secret study, and in the drawer of his writing desk, I found his journal. So, who was Perry Linden? Well, he actually writes little about his personal life prior to his arrival in St. Calic, but here's what we do know. Lyndon was the father of a nine-year-old girl called Elizabeth, who tragically drowned in a boating accident in 1917. Here's where things get interesting, though, because the exact date of her death appears to have been the 1st of July, 
July 1st, that exact same date that apparently struck fear into the people of St. Calic between 1919 and 1922. And when did Lyndon himself arrive on St. Calic? In June of 1918, just under a year after Elizabeth's death, and just under a year until the first reports of annual terror on this island. At this point, you don't need to be Hercule Poirot to figure out that Lyndon seems to be directly involved in all of this. But how exactly? Well, in his journal, he talks about coming to St. Calic to try and find his daughter. Now, you might think that's a bit strange, given that she died many hundreds of miles away, nearly a year before. How could he possibly find her on St. Calic? But it seems that Lyndon came to the island in order to perform a ritual that he believed would put him in contact with the spirit of his daughter. And that's where we introduce the next character in this story. Braxunu of the Deep. Lyndon's journal wasn't the only book in the cellar. Far from it. Right in front of me stands an old bookcase full of dusty and arcane-looking tomes. At first, his reference to this Braxunu of the Deep seemed like a codename or metaphor for something. But in the middle of one of these chunky volumes, Lords of the Unseen, packed with all sorts of demons, ancient gods and Lovecraftian monsters, there it was. Now, I mention Lovecraft with good reason. If you want to picture this Braxunu entity in your mind, imagine old Howard Phillips' flagship deity Cthulhu. Then think what his big brother might have looked like. In fact, scrap that. Imagine the great indescribable horror that used to bully Cthulhu at school, stealing his lunch money and flushing his head down some colossal cyclopean toilet. Of course, I'd take all of this visual information from the possibly fantastical sketches in the book. But there's more information about who or what this Braxunu of the Deep actually is. After poring over Lords of the Unseen and other titles, our very own professor of demonology at Dundee University, Bob McGeever, summarised it like this. Braxunu of the Deep is known as the God of Drowned Souls a demonic king of the ocean floor who feeds off the energy of those who have perished at sea. Sounds a bit far-fetched, doesn't it? And yet Perry Linden, who seemed to be an educated and wealthy man, was sure enough about the existence of Braxunu that he moved all the way out here to St. Calic. Linden wanted somewhere isolated and beside the sea. He seems to have purchased the house, which he said was converted out of an old shelter for sheep, from an eccentric artist who'd spent two years on St. Calic before moving back to Inverness. When Lyndon took up residence on the island, he was ready to perform the ritual. The ritual that he believed would see Braxunu reunite him with the spirit of his daughter. So, if we were to conclude that Lyndon was simply a man driven mad by heartbreak and loss, was this ceremony a harmless act to anyone else other than himself? Certainly not because it demands a sacrifice, a slaughter. Lyndon was prepared to become a murderer, and he did. Lords of the Unseen offers a detailed account of how one might hope to summon Braxunu for these purposes. Again, Professor McGeever has compiled and summarised these details for us. 
On the anniversary date of the victim's death, a jug of seawater is to be taken from the coastline where the summoner wishes their loved one's spirit to be delivered. A human sacrifice must then be made for the purpose of obtaining a fresh human heart. This heart must be boiled with the jug of seawater. The heart and seawater must then be returned to the same spot the water was collected from, along with a, a cherished personal item from the victim whose spirit you wish to summon. At this point, Braxunu of the Deep has been called to deliver this spirit exactly one year after the ritual has been performed, and on that same night each year thereafter. On the night of July 1st, 1918, Lyndon murdered a young woman from the village on St. Calic. He simply referred to her in his journal as Annie, and had befriended her to win her trust in the months prior to the ritual. He poisoned her as they drank tea in his home. He later admitted a terrible sense of guilt over the murder, but was entirely consumed by the thought of seeing his daughter again. Suspicious fingers down in the village pointed at Lyndon after Annie's disappearance. At one point in his journal, he talks about a woman down in the village whom he refers to as that bloody old crow, accusing her of stirring up hatred towards him. Apparently, she had stated publicly on numerous occasions that there was a dreadful darkness about Lyndon, and that they ought to get rid of him. And by that he mused, I certainly don't think she wishes to pay my fare back to Portsmouth. This was all brewing under the surface as the first anniversary of the ritual approached. Lyndon had adopted a siege mentality in his home as he grew increasingly paranoid that everyone wanted him dead. He lived in a state of semi-starvation as he struggled to get food from the village's only merchant. Then, late on the night of July 1st, 1919, Lyndon described hearing a gut-wrenching moan coming from far out at sea. Soon afterwards, as Lyndon waited on the hill, something began to walk out of the sea towards him. The figure was the height of a child, but as it came closer to him, he later wrote that everything was all wrong. In one particularly chilling passage of his journal, Lyndon recalled, It was the spirit of Elizabeth, but she existed in a way that should never be seen by the eyes of the living. Her very manner of movement upon the land nearly broke my mind in two. It took every fibre of my being not to throw myself from the cliffs there and then. He wept on the ground as she approached, and as an icy cold hand reached out to touch him, he wrote that he felt the despair of every drowned soul shackled in inky blackness to the ocean floor. Elizabeth's spirit returned to the sea, and Lyndon woke up on the hillside in the ugly grey of the morning light. In the weeks that followed, Lyndon wrote that the bloody old crow had resumed her role as village preacher. She ranted that the devil himself had appeared out at sea that night, as big as a hundred mountains, and that an abhorrent evil was at work here on St. Calic. Lyndon himself was now surviving on gulls and rats, which he caught in crude traps in his loft. He never left his home except to collect rainwater from a barrel outside. His journal entries grew darker and harder to decipher in the second year. He swung from feverish despair to periods of insane glee at his 
success. Some days, he vowed to throw himself off of the cliffs for his unforgivable crimes, whilst other days he seemed to be counting down how soon it was until he could see his beloved daughter again. When July 1st, 1920 came around, Lyndon wrote about the sound of something as big as the world itself bellowing out from across the vast ocean. He also reported that he was able to commune with Elizabeth as before. The encounter seems to have furthered his descent into complete insanity, and he began to do more drawing than writing in his journal. Scrawled sketches of bizarre, unearthly landscapes and creatures unlike anything else on this planet were broken up only by the odd ramble. Generally, there were about people hanging around his house, looking in the window and rapping on the door. Lyndon seemed to go through a rare moment of clarity in late June 1921, where he starts to write about Elizabeth's visit. In his next written entry, however, he wrote that as she began to shamble up the hill towards him on July 1st, the lamps of those bastards from the village were turned towards us. He writes that he was saved only by an atrocious sound from the black horizon, which sent the lynch mob fleeing for their homes. It was his penultimate written entry. A few days later, Lyndon said that he was completely and utterly convinced that the villagers would come to kill him, to attempt to free themselves from this curse on their island. He claimed that they wouldn't get their chance as he planned to join Elizabeth out at sea, presumably by drowning himself or throwing himself from the clifftops. As this was our last piece of documented evidence, we can only fill in the blanks as to what happened next. It seems that sometime in the latter half of 1921, the remaining islanders on St. Calic burned down Petty Linden's house. Whether he was in it at the time or had already killed himself, I doubt we'll ever know. They certainly didn't seem to be aware of this very basement room that we're standing in now, given that they didn't also destroy both it and its contents. It's logical to conclude that the folk on St. Calic hoped that the horrors of July the 1st would die with Perry Linden, but given that the final boatload of people left here forever in August 1922, it seems like that didn't happen. And now, here we are, on July the 1st, all these years later, standing in the same room where Linden executed many of his dark plans. So, the question is, can we expect a visit from the sea tonight? Boom! What is it? That was fucking brilliant, man! Aye, a decent effort, to be fair. Don't know if Bill agrees right enough. He's fast asleep over there. Ah, well, you can't please everyone, eh? Mind you, what was all that shite about Bob being a professor of demonology? Aye, I didn't really understand that bit. That's like to do with your skin and that, eh? That's dermatology, Bob. Dermatology. Far less interesting. So I take it you decided to leave out the sceptical side at all? What sceptical side? Like the fact that there isn't any actual hard evidence. This could have all been a madman's fantasy. He might even been a fiction writer. Just because he said it doesn't mean any of it actually happened, does it? Alright, Agent Scully. Only cunts interested in that, are they? Do you think people listen to paranormal podcasts to hear about things that never happened? 
They have Christianity podcasts for that sort of thing. Fair enough. Get yourself a beer anyway. You've earned it after that performance. No arguments there. Let's get the cards out then if all that shite's over and done with. Oh aye, what are we playing? Oh, gotta be Scabby Queen. Scabby Queen? Fuck off. Aye, that's a Burns game, man. Be as well playing Snap. Well, I'll be playing fucking solitaire if yous don't sharp. We should have brought the Xbox. I'd settle for a comfy fucking seat. Oh aye, so, uh, as I was saying, they farmer gels of yours. I've got just the thing for them. Lee's right, I'm afraid, Bob. Is he fuck? I'm telling you, don't bet a penny on that. If the man wants to place a wager, let him place a wager. Listen, Bob, the Berlin trilogy was low, heroes and lodger. Station to station was a fucking German one. No, it wasn't. It was so. He made that in LA. He was out his tits. Can't even remember recording it, seemingly. <laughs> Neither can Bob by the sounds of it. Ah, fuck yous. Once we've got an internet signal again in the morn, I'll show you. That's a point, though. Do you know miss the days where you could have an argument like this without some cunt just pulling out their phone and checking? You just miss it because it's harder to lie to folk nowadays. Oh, aye, because everything on the internet's true, eh? Not since you launched your podcast. <laughs> Touché. Here, what time is it anyway? About half eleven. Don't suppose there's much use in having a wee peek outside? Fuck that. You'll flood the place. It's a downpour up there. If there's anything at all to be seen, the cameras will see it. Even me having a shite earlier? Even you having a shite, Bob. We could make an episode about it. Well, at least we can have a call in Nish in privacy after my brilliant idea. Doing it in the empty tins? All well and good until someone accidentally picks one up and has a drink. Well, it'll be better than that piss water you boys are drinking anyway. Hang on a minute. What? You hear that? Hear what? Dunno, I just... I thought I heard something outside. Rain, probably. No, not that. Thunder? Don't think so. Ah, it was probably nothing. Like you say, the cameras will pick it all up. Maybe a stag party for Norway have turned up on a big Viking longboat. I'd rather it was a hen do. Aye, they're all fucking rides out there. Sweden, Norway, Iceland. Dear drink though, mind you. You get out to Scandinavia much, Bob? Now and then, Aye. I'm in Europe a fair bit. You still live in Amsterdam. You're a man after my own heart. I'd move out there in a minute. What, and Jack in the Terror Files? Not at all. I could do the podcast just as easy out there. I doubt you'd get much done, though, would you? What the fuck? Was that one of yous? Shh! Wasn't it me? It came from up there. The hatch. That's impossible. I'm telling you. It'll have been a brick or that, blown over on the trapdoor. 
Either that, or there's someone outside. Someone. Or something. Right, are you fucking opening it or what? Aye, just let me get ready. You've been standing up there for a full two minutes. I'm just preparing myself. Right. Okay. Here goes. What do you see? There's... What is it? There's fuck all here. Nothing. Was it a rock or something? I don't think so, no. Well, close the cunt then. You're getting the floor all wet. Can we get one of the cameras in for a look? We'll get a look in the morning. I'm not going up there the now. <laughs> Are you shaking it? Says you. I thought you were going to pass out there. You held your breath for that long. I'll have been an animal or a bird or something. I've never seen a seagull with hands before. There's no point spending the rest of the night speculating about it. Unless you lads are going to make bets on that too. We'll have a look at the videos tomorrow. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to need another couple of drinks anyway before that floor's comfy enough to sleep on. <laughs> Who wants a top-up? Sounds good to me, Bob. Aye, go on then. You've twisted my arm. Morning. Good morning. What time did you get up? No sure. A couple hours ago, though. Bill was pacing the room. Poor wee cunt was bursting. Once we were up and out, I was as well collecting all the gear. I've got some bad news, though. What? I think the cameras up the top of the hill got hit by lightning. Oh, you're fucking joking. Nah, they were like a pair of black puddings. Grass was all fucking burned around them. It was a bit of a risk sticking them away up there during a storm, to be fair. I hold my hands up. Will you still be able to get the memory cards out of them? No chance. They're just balls of melted plastic. I thought you said they were indestructible. Well, within reason. Lightning's a fairly powerful thing. The rest are all fine, though. Don't worry. Can we go and get a look through the videos, then? Ah, I was going to say. There should be enough battery left on my laptop to fast-forward through some of them. All right. Bob's got the kettle on anyway. Did you sleep okay? Middling. You? Same, aye. Some fucking storm that cunt was doing. I thought Braxuno of the Deep had arrived. Was that him? I thought it was you. Wasn't me, no. Off a racket, whoever it was. You had anything to eat? One of those cereal bars. Any good? Shite. Looked like it had dropped out Bill's arse. Should have seen the one he did earlier. It was shaped like one of the Academy Award trophies. Christ, that must have been sore. Aye, the veins on his neck were like hydraulic hoses. Took the wee cunt about half an hour to push it out. <laughs> he was probably writing his acceptance speech. Knowing you had a computer with you, I'd have brought my football manager CD instead of reading all the fucking daft books. 
Winning the UEFA Cup with Breaking City wasn't really the purpose of this trip, Bob. Aye, and unless you found a plug socket down here, you wouldn't have made it past pre-season. Did you find out what chapped the door last night anyway? Not yet. I'm running through a few of the videos now. I think that was the back of 11, though. I'm not quite at that point yet. Here, I thought you were making the tea. Well, I would do if you'd brought any fucking tea bags. We did. I couldn't see any. Did you have the tea bags yesterday? Fuck knows. I just lifted as much stuff as I could. You sure they're not over there somewhere? I raked through your dirty scants and everything. Not a tea bag in sight. Well, have we maybe left them down at the bay? Possibly. A bottle of water will do me like. It's not the end of the world. I'm heading over to the boat anyway. Just want to check everything's okay after last night. I'll have a look for them. What do you mean, check everything's okay? I mean, check that the boat's still afloat. Why wouldn't it be? Well, it probably is, but I'd just like to have a wee look around it before we sail. What happens if it has sunk? Then, it's a very, very, very long swim home. Keep your fucking hair on, Lee. I was down that way earlier, it's still afloat. Ach, you've spoiled it now, Dougie! Don't know, like, you could always just pretend you've gone without us. <laughs> Aye. Then the next six months would be like a really shite version of that Tom Hanks film. Saving Private Ryan? Forrest Gump. Right. Well, I'll be back in ten minutes then. Boil that water again for us, eh? Nay, bother. You're in a better mood today anyway. Aye, I suppose I am. It was alright last night in the end, eh? See, what did I tell you? Just like tea in the park. Not quite. It was a good laugh, though. Actually, I think I've got some of those tiny wee coffee packets, the shit things you get in hotels. You want one? Hang on. Look at this. What? This video was for the camera outside up there. Does it show what made the Look bang? Look what happens just after half eleven. See, there's movement there. Aye, is that looking down towards the coast? It's almost like a figure of some sort. You can just about make a shape out. And then... What's happened? The picture just goes like that for a minute or two. Well, is it fucked? The camera, I mean. No, look. Fast forward a few minutes and it's fine again. But the thing is, that's pretty much exactly when there was a bang upstairs. Why would it do that? I don't know. It hasn't happened to any of the other ones I've seen yet. Well, can we get a different angle on it? That was the only one in that position. There was no real reason to put two there. But... Now it's fucked up, and we can't see what that is. Aye, but I didn't really anticipate that, to be fair. What the... What? Could you put it back a couple of secs? Aye, but I didn't see anything except that... As the lightning flashes. Look! Out there! Fuck is that? Something out at sea. Something huge. Could it be Braxini? Prabs. If you wee fucks want to hear more from the Terror Files, go to scottishpodcast.com or follow them on Twitter at scottishpodcast. That's all for us today. I gotta get to Chicago for some weddings. Happy New Year to everyone that's celebrating Rosh Hashanah, and thank you for listening to Radio Drama Revival. 
If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And now, it's time for some credits. Our theme music is Danger Digi-Do by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer, Matthew Boudreau, went doing the pub. I haven't seen him in a fortnight, but somehow he puts the show together when I'm there looking. I can they say a word against our interview's producer, Eli McElveen, on account of he's gone and gotten himself officially married, the canny bastard. Congratulations to you and Sean, you charming, wonderful people. Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreau are our researchers. The right smart birds they are, pure dead brilliant, the fucking two of them. Fred Greenhalge, our executive producer, is going to get us killed one of these days. There was the time he and Matt recorded an audio drama in an abandoned mental hospital. And then there was the time he tried to convince me to do the same fucking thing in a graveyard. You're off your head, Greenhalge! I'm David Reinstrom, making no apologies for this accent whatsoever. And this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. How was that, Jillian? Great. I knew it.